Hey, what's happening, everybody? Welcome back to the Lucky Rants, and welcome back to Anime Casuals. I'm your host, Lucky, and today we're going to be continuing my series where I was talking about uh, yesterday. I was wait, would it be yesterday? Sorry, I'm recording these all in one day because I have a couple of family things to take care of. So I don't actually remember when the next one is. Oh, sorry. It would have been on Thursday. Uh, I was talking about the anime protagonist and what makes a good main anime protagonist. Um, hopefully, hopefully you guys enjoyed our weekend talk, talking about Dragon's Maiden and all that stuff. Uh, since I haven't recorded it yet, I have no idea what it's going to sound like. But anyway, uh, going over to anime antagonist. And actually, you know what? Speaking of which, I should probably view the textbook definition of what antagonist is. A person who actively opposes or hot or is hostile to someone or something, an adversary. So typically this is in um, somebody that opposes or is hostile towards the protagonist, but it doesn't always have to be that way. But let's go ahead to, I mean, I guess a good example of that would be, um, you know, if a, if a, if a protagonist is trying to help somebody, I'm trying to, I'm trying not to use a spoiler here because it's pretty late in the series that that happens in um, food wars. But uh, um, I guess an example, like if you guys watch food wars, there's a, there's a French cook in there and he has, he takes on uh, one of the side characters, Megamine or whatever the fuck her name is. Um, and she, uh, even though he's not in a direct antagonist to Yukihiro Soma, who is the main protagonist, He's still an antagonist, and that's one of the first distinctions about antagonists is there can be many antagonists throughout a series, whereas typically there will be only one protagonist, one main protagonist with like minor protagonist characters. Typically, there's only one protagonist, so at least I'm not I'm not going to use like textbook definitions here or anything like that. I'm not trying to, you know, act like some some fucking you know theater buff or anything like that. But one of the things that I think needs to make a good antagonist is their relationship to the protagonist. And this is something that I left out in the original uh, protagonist video, but I wanted to use it once I started talking about um, antagonists. And that is what what makes a good antagonist and what makes a good protagonist is typically themselves. So typically they're opposites. So you can't have a good protagonist without a good antagonist and vice versa. You just can't do that. Or else if, you know, if a protagonist is just facing people that are pretty forgettable then you know then you know you're not going to remember the protagonist as much but if you have characters that defy them you know they don't have, they don't also have to be uh challenging right because uh give an example right i talked about one punch man last uh last episode when i was talking about protagonists one of the things is he fights all these characters but even though they they get beaten in one punch they actually do a pretty good job of relating how powerful this person is as opposed to not just Saitama, but to the whole world, right? Like some of these people are catastrophe level events waiting to happen. And that actually helps build it up. Like I actually still remember like uh, Carnage Kabuto, Deep Sea King. Like I still remember these characters pretty well, actually, despite the fact they were only there for like a couple episodes because they actually put a, they end up beating a lot of other characters, right? I mean, not exactly Carnage Kabuto, but you see how strong he is pretty much. Um, but in Deep Sea King's case, uh, he ends up taking on like a bunch of other heroes, A, a class heroes, ends up taking on Genos, all these people, and then then you get to see Saitama come in there and like beat the shit out of them, right? So you get to see how strong these characters is. So that was one thing that I left out of my last one. I just wanted to bring it up now since uh, I'm talking about Antagonist now. But is their relationship like Batman without the Joker is not Batman? I'm sorry, and Joker without Batman is not Joker, right? It just doesn't work. But Joker is such a good antagonist to Batman because he ends up um, he ends up complementing this idea of 
of, of craziness, of insanity, and how insane it has to be for somebody to how insane it has to be for somebody to uh, to go around in a mask, right? He he ends up pointing out the contradictions in Batman a lot. You know, at least I'm honest about my insanity, right? That's one thing that he always tells Batman. So going back to uh, to anime, you know, I guess a good example of uh, of a great antagonist would be this is just my favorite antagonist of the whole Naruto series, but Pain. Pain, I believe, is the best anime or is the best uh, Naruto antagonist of them all, of any arc, of any of all of Naruto. I believe that he is the best anime antagonist, uh, uh, best antagonist of Naruto. Sorry, I keep on like mixing those up. But the reason why I, th- I pick him over Madara, why I pick him over Kaguya, and you know all these other people, even Sasuke, is because of what he brought to the table of the things, right? So one thing that he did, right, was he, uh, spoiler alert for anybody that hasn't seen pain, doesn't know pain, <laughs> no pain, um, hasn't seen what happens uh, when Jiraiya infiltrates the Hidden Rain Village, but he ends up killing Jiraiya, right? That's a big turning point in the whole series, and that's a big turning point for Naruto because now he has to overcome this adversity. And he has to end up getting past these emotional hurdles in order to face Pain, who is very strong. Um, you know, Pain, Pain checks all the boxes, right? He's very strong. He's able to pose a real threat. He's able to pose a real philosophical threat, too, right? Um, these are all things that I'm going to get to in a little bit. But pose a real philosoph- excuse me, philosophical threat to Naruto as well. Because Naruto has been thinking, oh, I'll just, as long as I believe it. You know, he doesn't say that in, <laughs> in the in the sub. But, um, but he believes that as long as he has the will to keep going, that he can do whatever he can, right? He can save Sasuke and do all this stuff. But then Pain poses a very in- interesting question. Well, what are you going to do about me? Are you going to kill me? To, you know, what are you going to do with me? And he straight up says, Naruto straight up says, "I'm going to kill you, and then I'm going to I'm going to return uh, the ninja world to peace." Right? And Pain straight up says, "Oh, that's pretty admirable, but you know, what about my friends? What about my family? What about my village? My village was taken down the same way that I did to your village by people just like you, by people that by your village too, by people that were affiliated with your village." You know, so he brings a very philosoph- uh, a very philosoph- uh, philosophical threat to Naruto's philosophy, right? So all of those things were just so well integrated. Whereas I think Sasuke was really good. I think he brings a lot of, I think he brings a lot of different angles, right? They were once friends, or all this, all this kind of stuff. But I just think that Pain had a bigger impact, in my opinion, to the story, right? um just in terms of changing naruto and all that so let's get over to like the philosophical let's i mean since i did talk about it quite a bit the philosophical opposition right because you can be in opposition to somebody but like in terms of power and all this stuff but you have to have some type of philosophical opposition to somebody right um i guess in terms of like soma right from food wars i just brought him up a little bit while ago right the different people that he takes on have different philosophies in the way that they take on food um I'm trying not to let me just try and think of some characters that aren't too spoilery. Um, there's a character that is very into meat, right? That's one of her main strengths. And it's it's interesting to see, you know, him take on things in a very different manner because he comes from a restaurant. He comes from a diner. So he he deals with normal everyday people. So that's who he has to appeal to. So he ends up doing that to like a professional level, right? 
because you know there's a difference between like a denny's and like a real mom and pop's diner that everybody wants to get into you know real big difference there the difference is that you know that mom and pop's diner is something that everybody that uh all of their heart and soul is poured into right so that's like a really big difference there um i guess in terms of maybe other antagonist right would be i'm trying, I'm trying to think i'm trying to think of some that aren't as spoilery as um okay i guess okay a really good one actually a little bit of a spoiler for i think this is actually in season one but part two is hero killer stain uh in my hero academia he is you know we get to see what he did to ida's uh ida's brother in in Gideon and seeing what you know stain does and for people that haven't watched my hero academia basically what stain does is he um he, he's been killing all these heroes and one of the things that he ends up bringing to the table is the fact that he doesn't believe that they're real heroes like all might all might he considers a real hero because of the selflessness that he brings to the table whereas these people typically are in it for the fame are in it for for certain things even when ida comes to avenge his brother he co he comes in sense in the sense of revenge which is not a heroic thing to do in stain's eyes right so whereas when when deku comes he he embodies that true hero mindset which is i need to um i i get in what, what was this thing oh uh heroes medal where they don't belong Right, they they just meddle. They just do that. That's really what they do. If you think about it, that is pretty much what heroes do for the most part, right? Especially, it, 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 you know, even when they're not welcomed, you know, as long as it's as long as they know it's the right thing to do. So seeing these these different philosophies collide in some ways is really interesting, and it's actually mostly in the way that Stain's philosophy collides with Ida's philosophy which at that time was very immature, which was, I need to go kill the guy that killed that, uh, well, didn't kill my brother, but, you know, really put a wrench in my brother's hero career. You know, his brother really didn't recover too well after that. So, you know, seeing that was so interesting. And if anything, it really brought up Deku, which is the next thing that I wanted to talk a little bit about, right? We were talking about clashing philosophies. The, the villain really has to bring up the main character in some way they have to be the they have to be because you know realistically nothing gets better without tension nothing gets better without an opposing force to it right if we want to think about if you think about working out right what's one of the main things when you're when you're doing uh when you're trying to build muscle is time under tension right the the amount of time that you put your muscle under stress in order for it to get stronger you know so that's the other thing is these villains need to bring up the hero in some type of way or the main protagonist in some sort of way, right? They, they have to. That's what they're there for. Get a good example. Yeah, I'm going to use some of the same examples that I used in the last uh, video, but a good example would be, excuse me, would be uh, Griffiths and Guts, right, from Berserk. Griffith brings out th this... Um, this need for guts to get revenge, right? I know we were just talking about revenge a little bit earlier, but that only works with Deku because it, you know he's in a world where that's you know where uh, heroes need to be that, right? Whereas guts in his world, it's kill or be killed, and he has this he has this sense of vengeance now because of Griffith that he doesn't want to die until he kills Griffith in the most brutal way possible. I would imagine, right? Um, and because he has this unquenchable thirst for vengeance and this sense of needing to survive, he 
has become so much stronger than anybody ever believed. Like he's able to take on demons that, you know, you're looking at him like, how the fuck is he taking on demons? Because he has this will. I mean, he has a little bit of plot armor to him too, but even then he, he still will win at any cost because that he needs to survive for him. And, um, you know, Casca, his, his girlfriend, all that kind of stuff. Like, he needs to survive for these people, but he needs to survive most of all for Griffith. And because of his hate for Griffith, he ends up building himself up into this tremendous force of nature that is just a human being, but all demons fear him. And, you know, well, most fear, demons fear him and all that kind of stuff. So you get to see that. I, you get to see that um, that dynamic work, out, work itself out through that. Um, but, you know, I guess another... Excuse me. Another example would be I'm trying to think of some some other ones that aren't too don't spoil too much of the plot. Because, um, you know, I, I don't bring up Dragon Ball Z in a lot of these things just because Dragon Ball Z is very special in its delivery in, in a lot of this stuff. Like, yes, there's an antagonist, but Goku isn't exactly the one that receives. He's a lot like Saitama in some ways. Right. He's just there to fight. Like he's just he's just there to fight and be funny, you know. Whereas other characters are there for the weight of it. And even then, like Goku does bring up some philosophical ideas, but not a whole lot, you know. So I try and differentiate him a lot from uh, from that stuff. But I mean, going back to Pain and Naruto, right? Pain brings up Naruto to the point where he masters Sage Jutsu. He masters this, you know. He does all this stuff in order to be defeat pain because if you don't know what you're trying to build up to then you won't build up to it you know whereas if you have a blueprint of what you need to do to get better because like i said uh opposing forces makes makes uh makes them stronger right that's just what happens in in life competition makes things stronger you know in the free market that's how things work in capitalism all that kind of stuff uh, competition makes things stronger. So that's the main part about it. Whereas if you just get a monopoly, then they can just do whatever they want and they never have to get any better. Whereas if they get competition eventually, then all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, I got to get better or else people aren't going to buy my product, you know? So same thing with ma uh, main protagonists is they have to get better or else they're going to get killed by the main antagonist, right? And that's the the main thing about, that's why I really like, that's why they, you know, these characters, they have to bring up the main character up. Um, another thing that main uh, that antagonists need to do is they need to bring they need to bring some type of um th this goes back to the philosophy one a little bit but they have to bring some type of existential threat to this uh to this uh you know to to this person right because you know let me just define what existential threat means to you uh, to, according to dictionary.com um, an existential threat is a threat to something's very existence. When, when the continued being of something is at stake or in danger, is used to describe threats to actual living things as well to non-living things, such as a country or an ideology. So typically this is an ideology, and this does tie in really well with a philosophical threat, right? When you go after somebody's well, or you go after somebody's like just title or anything like that, it, it actually does bring a lot. Uh, anytime that, like when pain destroys Konoha, he poses an existential threat to, to nin, the ninja way of life. He doesn't just bring a, a threat of power, of killing people. He brings an existential threat of, oh, we're going to be put under this guy's ide ideas for like ever, even though obviously we know more is at stake here, uh, more is at play in the background. But there's a lot there that is um, that ends up 
being at stake. It's not just, oh, if Naruto dies and, you know, we don't have a main character anymore. It's like, oh, if Pain wins, there's going to be a lot of fucked up shit in the world if he gets all this stuff. So there's a lot more to it than just, you know, Naruto losing and, you know, doing this and doing that. But, you know, I guess uh, another example would be uh, the Titans in Attack on Titan, right? They bring a very existential threat as much of, as a physical threat to the people inside the walls, right? In Attack on Titan, these Titans and whatever is, you know, I'm not going to get into spoilers on that, but and whatever is bring, uh, bringing them there or whatever brought them to existence, well, they threaten their every, uh, the people's everyday way of life, right? And that is pretty much what an existential threat is. Anything that opposes your everyday way of life right especially if it is uh, an everyday way of life that is you know just surviving right um that's pretty much what these people are doing inside the walls they're just surviving and every time they have to go out for an expedition they're just they're pretty much surviving because they have to face titans over and over again so these titans pose a very existential threat to anybody so you know that that's the other thing is they have to pose some type of existential threat to these people's way of lives um they have to they have to bring some type of ideology that's going to imprison these people for the rest of their lives or, you know, whatever terminology you want to use for, for, uh, for these people. So, um, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot to, uh, to antagonists that they, they have to bring something like that to the table. Um, another thing that I wanted to bring up, that's not super, um, not super obvious is actually something that I mentioned in the last video, right? Which was a relatability. You know, you have to relate to these antagonists. You, you just can't get away with writing, and I, I've talked about this before on the podcast, but you can't get away with writing a, a lazy or antagonist anymore. You know, you 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 know, you would never be able to get away with writing a lazy protagonist at, at all. But you know, some somehow like Superman got invented. But anyway, you know, you can't get away with writing a lazy antagonist anymore because there's so many antagonists with so many layers nowadays that you're expecting a backstory at some point. Like it'd be a crime to not even see a backstory at some point for a. a a main villain that explains their actions. You know, it, it, it pisses me off whenever I don't see that, you know, um, it's very rare though. I mean, I, I can't even think of any anime off the top of my head, but I can tell by this burning feeling in my stomach that it just has happened before. And it is not, uh, I will not accept it. But anyway, the, they, they need to bring the sense of relatability that, that dwells in each one of our hearts. You know, if you want to think about our hearts as a yin yang symbol, right. You know, darkness and light right when you see that you have to you know the main protagonist is going to appeal to to i'm trying to remember which one's yin and yang i think yin is dark and yang is the light but um anyway so the protagonist is supposed to be appealing to the light sense of our nature right the the more um the good side and all that kind of stuff but the antagonist is supposed to be appealing to the yang side of our nature he's supposed to be relate we're supposed to be relating to him and our baser baser urges you know an example would be anytime a an antagonist goes on like a killing spree and you see them getting bullied relentlessly or something like that or they have some terrible backstory and you have to you see them just getting you know bullied relentlessly you see them getting um society rejecting them and you're starting to think oh my god like this person you know we we need to you know even though i wouldn't go that far i can see where they're coming from in sense of wanting to you know kill everybody or kill certain people example would be sasuke and naruto right um even though i don't think he's as good as pain as a protagonist as an antagonist one of the things that he brings to the table is this idea that 
listen, I went through all this stuff and I just have a very different viewpoint of it, Naruto. I have to kill this guy that killed my 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 parents and my whole clan. Whereas if you think about it, uh, you know, again, spoilers for Naruto. So um, if you don't know exactly how Naruto and Kurama's relationship ends up, you know, that's going to be a problem. So if you do want to go to another video or, uh, sorry, another podcast or check out our videos on YouTube, you can do that. One of the things that Naruto does is he actually befriends the person that killed his parents, which is the Ninetales, right? And even though, obviously, Toby had a big thing to do with that, the Ninetales ultimately was the one that killed his parents, yet Naruto befriends this person and they work together as a two-man team from then on out, right? So it's very interesting that you know, Sasuke ends up killing his brother. I mean, obviously his brother was going to die anyway, and there was a lot of things leading up to that. But their different philosophies and the way that they take life is all is pretty much symbolic of the yin-yang system, right? You can befriend, or sorry, you can forgive your betrayer, or you can go out for vengeance. And that appeals to two very different sides of our hearts. And that is what an antagonist needs to do. It needs to appeal to both. It needs to appeal to the other side of our hearts that, um, you know that that the that the protagonist isn't um, isn't doing, which leads me to my next point, which is the antagonist needs to pick up the slack where the the antagonist or where the protagonist uh, left off, right? So if a protagonist fills a certain role, then the antagonist obviously needs to be the opposite role. You have to you have to be the and it it can be very interesting, like in Light's case in Death Note, right, where L is the antagonist, yet he's actually a good guy. Like if you think about it. Even though Light is the protagonist of the, you know, he's the anti-hero of the uh, Death Note, Light is a villain. Yet L comes in, and he's technically the antagonist because he's trying to stop, well, he's trying to stop, stop uh, what is it, Kita or whatever Light's uh, alter ego is. Like I said, I haven't actually watched this series. I've only seen, like, certain clips of it because I had to edit a video for Michael and Johnny a long time ago. But, you know, if you think about it in that way, he brings in what light doesn't, which is a sense of morality and, a, and you know, certain things that come with it. Also, I mean, he's pretty, he's, he doesn't have a fucking Shinigami helping him out wherever he goes. He doesn't have a fucking crazy book to help him wherever he goes. He only has his wits about him that can help him throughout this. So it's really interesting to, to see that, that, I mean, that, you know, seeing anti-heroes in, in anime are always like really cool to see. Cause then you get to see like what the antagonist looks like. And you actually maybe, maybe even start to do the opposite where you start to look at the antagonist and you're like, Oh, I actually kind of dig you, man. But you know, something bad's going to happen to him. Cause you know, the, the protagonist is probably going to win in the end. So, you know, there are certain things like that as well, you know? So the, the antagonist needs to pick up, uh, fill the void where the protagonist uh, has left off. Right. Or the, where the protagonist, doesn't fill you know they have to fill in the shoes at the end that the protagonist doesn't fill so those are like the main things i wanted to talk about i'm trying to think if there's anything else um there's obviously the physical threat i didn't really go over the, like the more obvious things you know there's got to be a physical threat there as well right if you have a an antagonist i mean a, a weird a weird example of this would be like spongebob where it's uh what plankton and sorry i'm bringing up like spongebob in an anime podcast but you know Sp uh, plankton and mr krabs like plankton typically doesn't pose a very big physical threat because he's a, he's a, like like what a centimeter i don't even think he's that big uh but he's not very big so he doesn't pose a very big physical threat but he does pose a an uh a what would you call it a 
existential threat to them and their way of life. Because if he steals the Krabby Patty secret formula, then he can just take it for his own. And he can start doing whatever he wants with it. And then the Krusty Krab will go after, out of business, which will be stopping SpongeBob from there. So you kind of see what I'm saying with a lot of this stuff. So there are some some very natural things that uh, that you know are pretty common sense when it comes to villains. You know, they should be evil. They should be this. But there's a lot more nuance to villains nowadays. So I, that's why I kind of wanted to make these two videos to say, you know, what is my subjective criteria for what makes a good anime protagonist and what makes a good anime antagonist. But I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. As always, guys, don't forget you can check out all things casual in the link tree in the description box down below. Also, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at animecasuals with an S, real, R-E-A-L, at gmail.com. As always, guys, don't forget to keep it casual.